3: Jim Nance along with Bill Raftery at the Greensboro Coliseum. Number one, Duke in front by 17, second half. And CBS Sports coverage of the NCAA Basketball Championship will continue after this message and a word
2: from your local stations.
3: And
2: hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello,
4: friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends.
3: Final seconds, Jordan will put up the jumper, it doesn't matter, Duke has won its first national championship. Too much time, too much time. Great defense, Arkansas, and they take it away. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas and in hog heaven, they've won the first ever national championship. Cajun Langdon's going to take it right to the floor and try to get it off. He doesn't have a lot of time here. Pressure from Jones, Langdon, trips, and UConn has done it! <laughs> L.A.M.E. comes over and says, we shot the world. Folks, you got to believe, because just when people say you can't, you can, and UConn has won the national championship in its first attempt in a final has made only two threes on the night. They must make one here to extend the game. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it with two seconds. Unbelievable. It's Hayward pulling it down. Getting around Zubat At midcourt launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. It's Page off balance. Puts it on. Seven seconds to go. Trying to go length of the court with Archie Diacono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. The national champions with Jenkins hitting the winner at the buzzer. Monk To tie it. Oh, Oh. impossible shot. Pinson with five, looks up, driving in. May for the win! Yeah. with 0.3 seconds to go. An incredible shot. Shock and awe in college basketball, UNBC makes history in Charlotte. <laughs> again with the ball in his hands, in the paint, floater, short, got it back, ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win. Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh, yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh. The perfect season remains oh. on go. Are you,
2: Are you
1: kidding me? Is this actually happening right now?
2: Hello? Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, Jim. Uh, what's up? First of all, I love what you've done with the show. It's an honor that you guys have gone ahead and dedicated this, your annual, highly anticipated first episode of March by bringing back all those epic moments from years past. I can't believe it, what memories those bring for me. Hey, listen, I'm so excited to call the NCAA tournament one last time. It's my 37th year broadcasting, at 32 years on play-by-play at the final four. It's crazy. It's been a it's been a gift. Anyway, in just a few weeks that's all heading our way, but in the meantime, I want you to know how much I appreciate the gesture. I really do. But Let's get to the needle drop already. We got to give the people what they want. I'm in full on college hoops mode right here, right now, Norlander. I need the song now. Oh, actually, before you play the song, <laughs> I think you missed one classic call. I did? Absolutely. I remember it like it was yesterday, 2008, a Monday night in San Antonio, two number one seeds battling to the buzzer with a championship on the line.
1: Yeah, no, that's the stuff we dream about in sports. But Jim, I already put the Chalmers call in earlier. Did you miss that
2: part? Chalmers? I'm talking about Robert Dozier.
1: Dozier, of course, one of the greatest
3: what ifs in the history of sports. Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going to overtime in San Antonio.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. The best month of the year is here. We're less than two weeks away from Selection Sunday, and then it's the NCAA tournament on CBS. (laughs)
0: yeah buddy That that was my favorite part in fact as you were showing the Chalmers clip and cut it right before Dozier for the championship I was like that's an editing mistake how could you cut out Dozier for the championship and then you circle back that was terrific I'm fired up
1: I am so fired up and I hope everyone listening is also fired up my thanks to the one and only Jim Nance for doing that and appearing on the show. We had some, we already, as we are watching live on YouTube, we have people claiming that is AI Jim. That is actually Jim Nance. He cut that on Monday for us and uh, was all too kind to do it. This is, of course, his final season doing the NCAA tournament for CBS. If you are curious on those calls, we will detail each one at the start of the show. You can check out the podcast description. I'll tell you which year. Each of those calls was from the very first one you heard was Jim Nance and Bill Raftery in 1986 on his first game he ever called for CBS Duke versus Old Dominion in the second round of the tournament. Back then, the NCAA produced the first round. CBS did not start broadcasting until the second round. So this will be his 32nd Final Four. Appropriately enough, it's going back to Houston where he went to college. And he'll be on his 37th and final call. So there was no other choice but to get Jim Nance involved in the show. Jim, thank you. Thank you very, very much. That was, uh, that was awesome to put together. And thank you, of course, to Nod as well for helping.
0: With that said, hey there. I'm Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Island College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's a sub above. That's Matt Norlander, March Norlander. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Do that while you're here. All right, dead leg. Let's get into it. On Tuesday night, Kansas beat Texas Tech 67-63 to secure at least to share of the Big 12 title for the 17th time in 20 seasons under Bill Self. It is a ridiculous accomplishment. Obviously, uh, I have no idea what the so-called power conference is going to look like going forward. Neither does the Pac-12 commissioner. That said, I am comfortable saying no power conference coach will ever again win 17 conference regular season titles in 20 years. My first question for you, dead leg, do you agree with that statement?
1: I do agree with that statement. And I saw earlier this morning... Let me bring it up so I got it right. Did you see C.J. Moore's tweet on
0: this? I I, I actually read his story at The Athletic because it had a lot of um, really good stuff in it. Like, I know the surface level, um, like, this is amazing. Let me tell you how in 30 seconds type of stuff for television. But C.J. had some more stuff in there. Among them, that since Bill Self has been at Kansas and won 17 regular season titles, the school that is in second place, is North Carolina with nine? He has eight more conference titles in the past twenty years um, than any other school in a high major league.
1: And if Bill Self, at, this is CJ Sweet. If Bill Self were, were a university, which seems like <laughs> Bill Self should be a university. Exactly. That's that 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 <laughs> the University yeah, of Bill Self is perfect for this podcast. If Bill <laughs> Self were a university,
0: he well, should
1: be. The, university be if that were the case, Let's be real. But if he were a university, he'd rank ninth all time in regular season, high major conference championships as a person, if he were a university. So this is never going to be duplicated. And what I said on HQ last night, and I think this morning I did an overnight hit too. I said uh, KU should be a lock for one seed, I think two games ago. Now it's undeniable. There's it, Kansas is going to be a lock. That, they're one seed. There's nothing that's going to happen. They got 15 quad one wins. It's a record. They're going to get more. Um, number one overall seed should actually probably be Kansas right now. Should Kansas be the number one team in the country? The metrics still have Houston. In fact, kind of strangely enough, uh, Kansas is behind Purdue in, in predict metrics if you want to just strictly go Ken Palm right now. And some of this is because it's lost, but... It's Houston, UCLA, Bama, Tennessee, Connecticut, Purdue. Kansas is seventh at Kent Palm. So there is a little bit of a a divergence here in terms of when we watch Kansas. And it did get pushed. I mean, it got pushed by Texas Tech. And boy, that was just a sour, sour way for it to go for tech fans when you see Kevin McCullough get that ball on the scramble and hit the putback after it feel it felt like six different guys were trying to get their hands on it in closing seconds there. So they did get a tight. A tight, tight game against Texas Tech, which is outside the tournament picture. But Kansas, in many ways, feels like right there with Houston is maybe just the, the team you trust most or that might be most deserving of, of, uh, of number one billing. And I actually think right now I would put Kansas as the number one overall seed in the field ahead of Houston, ahead of Alabama, and ahead of UCLA. Bracket projections aren't going to reflect that, but this might just be a matter of Of time more than anything else, because the more quad one wins that get racked up, if they come, got to win at Texas this weekend. But if that happens, I just think the high end is going to be so irrefutable. And plus, like they'll have six losses at most. um, There will be a very, very good case for it.
0: Well, let me ask you this because um, I've genuinely not conflicted, that's not the right word, but um, confused on how to handle this, I'm usually pretty certain, I I mean, uh, while acknowledging all any kind of ranking or seeding is subjective, I'm usually pretty certain in like, well, this is what I should do about this team or that team or whatever team. Um, I don't know how to handle this Kansas situation right now because currently I have them, the Jayhawks, behind Houston and Alabama. It's one Houston, two Alabama 3 Kansas in the top 25 and 1 if you care 4 UCLA 5 Purdue. Um Houston is better in just about every computer if not every computer. Um Alabama is also having a historically great season in its league. But Kansas does have four more quadrant 1 wins than anybody else in the country. Kansas has 6 more quadrant 1 wins than Alabama. And 11 more quadrant one wins than Houston. At what point do you, as a bracketologist or somebody who ranks basketball teams, just say, I'm going to respect the 15 and five record in quadrant one with zero additional losses, and I'm jumping Kansas right to the top. Kansas should be number one in the AP poll, coaches poll, top 25 and one, hey, 19. And <laughs> yes, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I wrestled with this uh, last night and today. I've I've made my decision. Houston uh, will be number one in the hay Nineteen because I do also reward significant winning streaks. Houston has one loss since December 10th, and it is comfortably the number one team in the country in metrics. So I will have Houston one. I will have Kansas two. But to your question here, a lot of this gets cleared up by Saturday night because if Kansas does go into Texas... And gets the win on the Longhorns floor. And we'll see if that's for a share or not. Texas is playing at TCU. It's the best game of the night on Wednesday. If Texas wins that, then it can win on Saturday. A scenario we, we put forward to everyone here a couple episodes back. And they can share a title. By the way, Texas has not shared or finished atop the Big 12 standings. Trivia time! Do you know it? I said it on HQ. Do you know the year?
0: When Texas finished, last finished atop the Big 12 standings. That's right. The year after Kevin Durant. You are bingo bango on the money. Two thousand eight was the last time Texas could claim any kind of share of a regular season title in just, the I, twelve. I just remember saying that a lot back then. Like um, okay. Texas lost Kevin Durant and got better. Like that was a fact. Seems yeah. crazy, but that was a fact.
1: Um, I'm seeing comments here. I thought about this exact same too. Like let's get Houston, in the big 12. This will be interesting if Houston can be this kind of team next season. And, and once it's in the big 12 and, and how we, uh, how we will view the Cougars, obviously they're going to take more than two losses. Even if they had the same exact roster in the big 12, they wouldn't be able to sustain this, but Houston does rank as the number one team again, comfortably in all predictive metrics. Houston is rates as the best team in college basketball. And when it comes to like seating overall, it hasn't had the same opportunities. I, Don't want to punish Houston for the league that it plays in because it has proven it uh, this season and previous seasons don't matter, should not matter when it comes to seeding. But in terms of perception, there is no avoiding it. Houston made a Final Four two years ago. Last season, it knocked off an Arizona team that a lot of people thought was capable of certainly going to the Final Four if not winning a national championship. So the reputation of Houston has been improved. Although that being said, I still don't think it's getting quite enough credit for being, hello, rated as the best team in the sport for about two months. That all said, if you want to have the case here for Kansas uh, I'm with you on that. We talked about in the previous show, self frontrunner for National Coach of the Year. I'm still there on that. Shaka Smart is still my number two, but it's a good debate. And that debate probably gets closed in terms of Kansas's, I don't want to say close, close, I guess. But if Kansas wins at Texas this weekend, I just don't think, I don't think personally, a road win at Texas, another Q1 win up to 16, there's really keeping KU off the number one overall seat. And as a few viewers in our chat have pointed out, there's actually a, a good subplot to all of this in that Purdue and Kansas will be fighting for the Midwest. And, I mean, Purdue could go to Louisville. It doesn't really matter. I guess it doesn't really matter all that much there. But um, the number one overall seat gets to pick the path. The first weekend, the second weekend destination, no other school gets afforded that opportunity. You have to be the number one overall seat to get that option.
0: I can't get my head to move on from Bill Self University. He really should be his own university. Remember like when Kanye West was going to start his own religion? And then and then of course he like said a bunch of wild stuff and n- now he's disappeared and we're not even allowed yeah. to listen to his music anymore or wear his shoes. But there was a time where he was like, I don't need to be a part of somebody else's religion. I can just start my own religion. I feel like Bill Self could do that um, as it pertains to a university. You start Bill Self University, you apply for Accreditation? I don't think you need that. Okay. I, but, I don't yeah. know. If,
1: I don't know if Bill Self University would be accepted. We, you know, the, the people that are just seeing the jokes fly through their head right now. I, I, hear I hear you. I think Bill Self University
0: would be. I would enroll my children there. Yeah. <laughs> I would enroll my children there. We'd get an Adidas scholarship and we'd go to Bill Self University and then we would apply for Admission to the Big Twelve, and then he—what if he just started winning (laughs) Big Twelve titles nonstop at Bill Self University? Wouldn't that be amazing? It would. I mean, if we have Oral Roberts University, I don't know why we can't have Bill Self University.
1: Uh, uh, Exactly, and Bill Self connection to Oral Roberts. Yes, former coach there. So So there we go. By the way, one more thing I just want to correct myself. Someone else is also pointing out Houston vying for that seed for and it would like to go to Kansas City. So Purdue would certainly be in Louisville, probably Kansas City is the other regional that would be Kansas. And so Kansas and Houston are more fighting for territory, if you will, for second weekend, which which does mean a lot. I mean, it's the difference between going to Vegas or potentially Louisville or New York City, not the end of the world. But you want to travel as close to home as possible.
0: Just some stuff on Kansas that highlights exactly how incredible this is because as i said on inside college basketball on tuesday night we just sort of gloss over this stuff like yeah 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 kansas won another big 12 title like well it's almost like well of course they did that's what they always do um but it shouldn't be glossed over this is absolutely insane what bill self is doing and has been doing for 20 years first off from last season's team they lost six of their top eight scores including two first round picks 74 percent of their scoring and Now they've won a 17th Big 12 title, and like you noted, it could be an outright title if Texas loses at TCU on Wednesday night or if Kansas wins at Texas on Saturday. And if it becomes an outright title, it'll be 12 outright Big 12 titles in 20 years at Kansas, 17 Big 12 titles, at least a share of them in 20 years at Kansas. As I've noted before, Mike Krzyzewski was at Duke for 42 years. He's widely considered the GOAT of men's college basketball coaching. 42 years at Duke, he won 13 regular season conference championships. Again, Bill Self has 17 and 20. Bill Self has four more conference championships in 22 fewer seasons at his school than Mike Krzyzewski won at Duke. That's insane. Um, Here's what's also part of this story bill self won two WAC regular season titles at tulsa and two big 10 regular season titles at illinois so check this out that means bill self has coached in three different leagues in the past 25 years and won 21 regular season conference championships in that span what what are we talking about here what are we even talking about here Dozier for the championship And the other thing that makes it interesting is I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but in modern history, you look at most of John Calipari's great teams at Kentucky, and it's mostly tied to you just enrolled incredible five-star freshman projected lottery picks. It's John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. It's Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. You get the point. Anthony, uh, uh, Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, right? At, 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 Kansas this team is mostly guys who were on last season's team and they're just they've been developed and they're playing bigger roles Jalen Wilson was the third leading scorer on last season's team 11.1 points per game he's now the leading scorer at Kansas 19.6 yes after that it's Grady Dick a five-star freshman and Kevin McCullough a transfer from Texas Tech but after that fourth leading score KJ Adams averaged one point per game last season now he's at 10.6 after that Dewan Harris Averaged 5.4 points per game last season, now 8.7 starting point guard. Joseph Yesapu, 2.1 points per game last season, 3.7 this season. A slight increase, but he's a meaningful player this season. In other words, this isn't like Bill self-enrolled the top-ranked recruiting class in the country with three projected lottery picks, and that's how Kansas is competing for a national championship again. Kansas is largely competing for back-to-back national titles, because role players on last season's team have developed into meaningful players, if not stars, um, for, for this season's team. Four of the top six scores at Kansas were on last season's team. They're now just playing bigger roles, and they're flourishing, and it is why. Like I've said many times over the past few days, Bill Self would get my vote for National Coach of the Year. I understand a vote. Like if you just said right now, hey, GP, here's 500 bucks. Can you make a case for Shaka Smart? I could convince you that Shaka Smart should be the National Coach of the Year. There's a compelling, if not convincing, case to be made for Shaka. I got no problem with anybody saying my vote would go to Shaka Smart. But I would lean ever so slightly to Bill Self based on everything I just said.
1: I agree, but you want to talk Shaka? I agree, it would be self here, but I think, I think we should hit on Shaka as well and what, uh, what he finally, not finally, but just you know, uh, materially uh, accomplished this week.
0: We'll call this period new paragraph. Shaka Smart's current school and one of his former schools both, run, uh, both won outright league titles on Tuesday night. We're going to get into that next, but first, a word from our partners.
4: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly, and our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
5: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: So Shaka Smart's current school and one of his former schools both won outright league titles on Tuesday night. Marquette is your outright Big East champion. VCU is your outright A-10 champion. Meantime, as we've noted, Texas still has a chance at a Big 12 title. So by Saturday night, this is possible, all three places where Shaka Smart has been a head coach could call themselves league champions. Not sure that means anything, but it is a way to set up uh to talk about marquette and vcu what they've done this season let's start with marquette pick ninth in the big east now outright big east champions it is quite an accomplishment you know power conference league you're not usually picked that low and then actually win the thing outright but that is what marquette has done
1: yep shaka smart's done an incredible job Featured him on the court report about two, three weeks back. Uh, feel free to, to seek that out if you didn't read it already. But I, I, I detailed some of that here on the show. But he basically, you know, he stuck with his team. He's got like 19 sophomores by designation. Some of these are third-year players. Some are second-year players. And did not add a Division one transfer this past offseason. And as the story detailed, there were a few guys that he was involved with who they were recruiting out of the portal in early April. And then the Nigel Pack news hit where Nigel Pack's deal for $800,000 in and in two years to go play at Miami uh, changed everything. Shaka told me he's like, that changed the dynamic of college basketball transfer recruiting overnight. And there were a few players they were recruiting and suddenly those conversations shifted and Shaka went to his staff and said, I'm not doing this. I don't, like these transfers enough to jeopardize what I think will be a very good team and the dynamic we have here. So we're not going to do it. They did add one really good NAIA player who unfortunately got injured early in the season. He's out for the year. So there's no one that's a they added one player, not D1. And everyone that's doing this was basically a role player or a decent player on last season's team. Tyler Kolek is probably got to be the biggest player of the year. And I don't say that reluctantly, but I, I understand that he might not be a name that's at the forefront of a, when a lot of people are talking about some of the biggest players in college basketball, but I update my top 10 for the Naismith award every, every Monday for uh for CBS sports in the socials. And I've had Colick in my top 10 since we started doing this a few weeks back, because it's, it's almost impossible to, 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 to shut him out of that. He's averaging 12 and a half points, eight assists, I think I think he's second in the nation in assists per game. Uh, he's also averaging four rebounds. He's been and if you've watched the games, like they can win in a in a bunch of different ways. But Kolick is the in the proverbial straw that serves the drink, unquestioned. Forty percent three point shooter, uh, really good at at finding finding ways to get to the ten, but also facilitate. Uh, very creatively, tough as hell, and he did have the bleep them quote back at, uh, at Big East preseason media day when they were asked about, hey, you know, you've you've been picked ninth. What are your thoughts on that? And he said, bleep them. Well, here we go. The lowest team to ever... How about this? Marquette was ninth in the preseason in the Big East. There had never been a team picked lower in the preseason in that conference and gone on to win the league. Marquette has done it. It is also ranked this week... Was it six in the AP Top 25? I saw, the, uh, I saw the nugget here. The last time it was ranked this highly was the late 70s in the AP Top 25. So Marquette fans, um, continue to rejoice. I can't wait to see your team at the Garden next week. You will, uh, you will be playing. in the 1-8 game is, is the nooner, so you'll get that noon Thursday tip. And uh, yeah, I think... I think the general college basketball public will still be reluctant... Like, no matter where Marquette is seated, I I bet you it will not be a trendy Final Four team. Right now, it's probably probably a three-seed. If it wins the Big East tournament, there's no keeping Marquette off the two-line, in my opinion. But even if it gets to the two-line, I can just see a situation where people are just like, "Ah, I don't want to pick all ones and twos, so if I pick a team to not do it. I'm going to pick against Marquette. I kind of feel like that's still coming, but I would advise against that. Uh, not to say I'll definitely do it. As a reminder, this is operated to as a top two points per possession offense for more than half the season. Chaka smart has, man, you talk about your all time. Let me get out of Dodge and find a better place. Uh, he might be the best example of it we've seen in college basketball in the past decade. He needed to leave Texas. He left and he is going to back to back tournaments in his first two seasons. And by year two, he is two, three years ahead of the plan, GP.
0: Um, the case for Shaka Smart to be coach of the year isn't simply tied to the fact that he has wildly overachieved to uh, relative to expectations because i hate that i hate it when people try to argue somebody should be the national coach of the year or even a conference coach of the year simply because they you know were picked 13th and they finished fourth like well then how about this next season don't have a roster that people look at and says yeah i think that's 14th like part of coaching is roster building and recruiting and developing so Hey, I was picked 14th in the league and I finished six. Give me a coach of the year award. Like you still finished sixth and you maybe should have never been projected to finish 14th. If you'd have done your job better in the off season. So I don't like that as a rationalization. People also use it to, to, uh, discount the candidacy of coaches like Bill Self or Kelvin Sampson, they'll say, or Mick Cronin, they'll say, oh, well, they were supposed to be good and they are good. So what's the big deal? Well, it, what are you talking about? Like they were supposed to be good because they did their jobs incredibly well in the off season and created rosters that people looked at and said, "Hey, they're supposed to be good." And then they went out and they did it. They lived up to expectations. It'd be like never giving an MVP to LeBron James because, well, you know, he was always supposed to be good. Okay. What? What
1: happened to Jordan? Hey, listen, happened to Jordan '93. They gave it to Barkley. How'd that turn out? I know.
0: I hear. You. Yeah, it, it just See, I, it might.
1: It's actually real quick. As a side. Uh, uh, the Joker, right now, from an NBA point, uh, he he is better than his past two MVP seasons, yeah. and people don't want to give it to him because what they haven't done in the postseason, and because it's you, it's not a new storyline. But it is undeniable that he is the best. He is the best player in the NBA uh, from a statistical point, and then he's obviously the best player on the team. So, to your point, this is something that infiltrates voting at every level of every major American sport.
0: Right. And and by the way, just on this real quick, Nikola Jokic's MVP candidacy has never been stronger than it is right now. He's about to win a third straight MVP, and he should. And I do think voter fatigue is a real thing. People were looking for anybody else to vote MVP this year. Um, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, John Morant, you name it. But it's, it's Nikola Jokic. I mean, he's averaging a triple-double for the team with the best record in the West. That guy has to be your MVP right now. And I don't imagine it's going to fall apart any time over the next month or so. So he's going to be a three-time MVP with three straight MVPs. Trivia time. Oh, boy. NBA trivia time.
1: Okay. You know this. Okay. Why do you know this? You did not. You're not prep for this on the pod. Why do you know it before you
0: ask it? You're talking. Look at me. Look at me. You're talking to a man who just did five straight Time to Shine's last week. There we go.
1: <laughs> so I'm doomed because I wasn't dialed into Time to Shine. All right, you, give it to you, me. You What's got, the oh,
0: it sounds like somebody needs to watch Time to Shine a little bit more.
1: I do. I do pop in, but, you know, usually making the kids dinner. Or
0: cleaning I it up. I understand. Everybody's busy. Anyway, everybody, what, everybody, what do we got? got? If Nikola Jokic becomes a, th- a th- three-time MVP with three straight MVPs, he will join a club of three other men. Who have won three straight NBA MVPs. Can you name them?
1: Jordan's won 96, 97, 98. Jordan's right? not one. He didn't win three in a row. So Jordan won uh so Malone won it in ninety-eight. That's right. Jordan got 96, 97. Jordan got cut off twice from doing this. Um three uh Kareem.
0: Kareem is not one of them. It's an outrage. Larry is one of them. Larry Bird is the last, is the most recent player to do it. Uh give me. So there's two others. Yes. This is a
1: good trivia time. Um,
0: hmm. Kareem never did it. The other two are bigs that predate Larry Bird Wilt, and they played against each Wilt, other. Wilt, 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 That's right. And Russell. That's right. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Larry Bird are the only three men to ever win three straight MVPs in the NBA. Nikola Jokic on the verge of becoming the fourth. Back to college basketball. The point I was trying to make about (laughs) Saka Smart's candidacy is that um, this isn't just him overachieving. Like, it's not as simple as, he was picked ninth and he finished first. That's a national, he's got a top 10 team. Like, he has a legitimate final four national championship caliber team. And so he's not just, I guess what I'm saying here is like the Chris Collins candidacy is rooted in He was not supposed to be good, but he's good enough to make the NCAA tournament. Maybe he should be the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Well, he's still got, you know, a whatever. I mean, it's a good team, but... Wow, you just called Northwestern whatever.
4: I mean, it's a good team,
0: (laughs) but it's not an elite team. We we can agree. I know, I know. We we can agree with that. Marquette, according to all of the stuff that you can point to, is an elite team. They're winning a conference championship in one of the best leagues in the country. They're in the top ten, and... They are also wildly overachieving to expectations. So if you want to make the shock a smart case, don't make it. He was picked ninth and finished first. It's not as simple as that. He was picked ninth, finished first, and has a top 10 team um, that that has been absolutely fabulous all season. I will say on your story from a few weeks back and the point you made about, you know, people started asking for money and I'm not just going to get involved in that. Like, I respect it. And it clearly worked with this team. I do not, and you know, like we'll see. I don't think that's a winning strategy going forward.
1: I don't think he's he's married to that. I also think Marquette's nil situation. I think there were a lot of factors that went into it, and I think it all happened really fast. And Shaka was just like, "Um, let's just not deal with this right now. I like my team enough, so okay. I don't disagree with you. I just wanted to just put a little more context around why he thought what he thought. He's not anti transfer portal at all. He's obviously there are transfer. Tyler Colex started at George Mason. So, right. he's not he's not anti-transfer portal, but it was within the context of how everything flipped overnight where he was like, "You know what? We're good actually. I'm I'm good." He had he had a great quote in there. Where he was like, "The idea that I would prioritize a Mountain West transfer over Osa Iguodaro is insane to me." So, I I respect that and that's why he did that. Doesn't mean Marquette's not going to be going into the portal in right. about well, literally maybe they have an assistant looking at it right now. But like or that's not actually open yet. But you get the point.
0: Go. yeah i do I, I just mean that going forward i think to compete at the top of a league like the big east consistently you're not only going to have to get in the portal you're going to have to buy players out of the portal that's what i mean i, I think like if you have a hang-up with that and i'm not saying shaka does i i realize the context here is shaka had a hang-up 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 about it in that moment as it pertains to his current roster i get it but i think going forward you probably have to you have to operate in that way, or you're going to watch other schools not only beat you for potential players, but maybe take some of your own. With Tyler Kolick, big biggie's player of the year, fine with me. What's interesting is that you don't usually see the second leading score on a team win conference player of the year. Usually it equates to leading score equals best player equals. Conference Player of the Year. If you're taking one from this team, and yet Kolak is the is the second leading scorer uh, at Marquette um, behind Cam Jones. That's my little homie from Memphis, averaging 15 points, 3.5 rebounds, shooting 36.1 percent from three. Proud graduate of ECS, and also played for Team Thad Norton Hurd, and was not really seriously presumed by the University of Memphis. Now he's the leading scorer on your outrage Big East
5: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: All right, for the uh for the XMC of the A10 Media Day, yeah. you 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 brought up VCU. What are
0: you, Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. All right, there we go. Yeah, there we go. I, listen, I'm not connecting one to the other, but you are. Just saying. I never was the MC of Atlantic 10 Media Day during a time where it looked like a one bid league? Yeah. Where are we at now?
1: It's it is a one bid league to VCU fans hoping that uh, that you might have the the bandwidth to be able to withstand that. I find it highly unlikely. But the Rams did win the regular season. They're twenty three and seven. They've got a game against George Washington. If you make the A-10 title game, like I am actually willing to circle back and just see if there's something there, but I, I would highly, highly recommend you win that conference tournament, which actually might wind up being, might wind up being fun because you've got VCU, Dayton, St. Louis, and Hello Fordham, which is having one of its best seasons ever. The Rams get a nice little nod in today's court report. Uh, for what they've been able to do. I highlighted a lot of small school, single season turnarounds. And what Keith Ergo has done ranks among the top five or six best stories at that level this season. So I think that the the A-10 tournament might provide a little bit of chaos because there's so much uncertainty. But VCU has clearly uh, shown itself to be the most reliable team. Like Dayton still rates pretty well and pretty closely as well. But credit to Mike Rhodes. He's a really, really good coach. And has kept the Rams, you know, a top, you know, one, two, three in the A10 basically almost every single season. He's been there.
0: Um, VCU was picked third in the preseason A10 poll. Now outright champions after last night's win at home, so they got to celebrate that in in their home arena. VCU is the classic case of a team that if you put them in the NCAA tournament, they're good enough to win a game. But they might not get to the NCAA tournament, and that's because they're one and one in Quadrant One, two and four in Quadrant Two, so three and five in the first two quadrants, and they got two Quadrant Four losses to Jacksonville and Saint Bonaventure. Made my heart break a little bit when I realized Saint Bonaventure was a Quadrant Four loss. That just that didn't, didn't feel right. That's a tough spot. BC is also sixty seventh in the net, seventy fourth at Ken Palm. So they don't have the type of uh, computer numbers that can make a committee member take a second hard look at them. Like, you're not going to feel bad about leaving the 74th team at Ken Palm out of the NCAA tournament or the the team that's 67th in the net. These numbers don't mean everything, but I can just tell you when I'm doing the top 25 and one, I'm ranking largely on resumes. But then if there's somebody who's like 12th at Ken Palm that I don't have ranked, I I go back and go, well, I got to look at this again because, you know, the numbers are the number. 67th in the net and 74th at Kempom isn't going to make anybody circle back to you. So, I looked this up earlier. The At least, because sometimes the A-10s had co-champs and like every other league, but at least one of the A-10 champions has made the NCAA tournament every year since 2005. And the A-10 champion might not make the NCAA tournament this year. Mm-hmm. If VCU doesn't win the A-10 tournament, it probably is not in the NCAA tournament, and that would break a long stretch for the Atlantic 10 of having at least one of your champions in the regular season, make, uh, make the, the, the NCAA tournament on Fordham. I will say like, I I looked this up last night. Their, their school record for wins is 26. They're at 23 Mm -hmm. right now. So they're like, they're there. They're, they can do
3: that.
0: It's conceivable. And I know some people will point out that their non-league strength of schedule was ranked. Do you know where? I think it's dead last. It's dead last. <laughs> 364. <laughs> 363 in the country. All right. 363 out of 360. It's the war. And I was but I was texting with a coach last night because I mentioned uh, uh Fordham on inside college basketball. And the coach texted me. And we were just sort of going back and forth. And and I said, if you're Fordham though, yeah, and you're Ergo and his definitely. first isn't that the way you should be scheduling? Yeah, that's
1: just, just you need wins. Yes, you need right wins. Now, yes, and 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 they've done it well in play. They have they have set the league. Fordham has never made the tournament since it joined the A10 almost 30 years ago, and it's setting the league the program record for most league wins. So just take it however you can get it. Keith Ergo right. was a name that like basically nobody knew when he was promoted after Neptune got the job. No one saw Jay Wright retiring, and so we got it. And Neptune did a great job in year one. Ergo has just. Taking it beyond that. It's a really, really cool story, and I'm really happy for the Fordham Raps.
0: Yeah, like if you're in a league like the A-10, and at a program like Fordham, and you look at your roster intelligently and say, you know what, we're probably not building an at-large resume to the NCAA tournament no matter what, at that point you just schedule for wins and you know what those wins can do they're not going to help you build an at-large resume Fordham is not sniffing the NCAA tournament unless it wins the A-10 auto bid but you know what it can do and this is what this was this other coach told me last night as well it can build confidence and momentum like there's something to be said for in your non-league just winning games as opposed to getting your brains beat in like those poor swag schools that just travel around the country and get their brains beat in all November and December like that can take a toll on you so I don't I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Fordham's success in the A10 is directly tied, on some level, to Fordham's scheduling in the non-league, because they 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 learned to win, um, built some confidence, built some momentum, and now they're on the verge of maybe having the best record, or at least the most wins in a season in in school history. So that's a nice story. The A10 tournament is going to be fun. Like we all like those one bid. Tournaments because, like, the stakes are so high. By the time we get to the championship game of the SEC tournament, it is almost always two teams that are playing never means games. anything. It you, rarely means
1: you've had so many instances where the SEC tournament's like, Well, they just got a really good win, they should ju- jump up a seat, or they took a terrible loss. They <laughs> should, it does not matter. Tennessee the SEC tournament final and the big 10 final are the two unless literally it means an auto bid they do not matter they are less significant than anything else of the of the 32 league titles. It just, Tennessee's
0: la- Tennessee last season should have jumped from a 3 to a 2. Yes, good. And they be. just did not. And I wish Tennessee fans would remember that when they tweet me nonstop like I was riding for you last selection Sunday. But to your point that's exactly right. Um th- those games net rarely matter. My larger point was like it's typically even if the games do matter, Big Ten title game, Big 12 title game, they're between two teams that, all right, is this team going to be a two or three, a one or a two, a six or a seven? It's never like, if you don't win this, you're or it's rarely, like, if you don't win this, you're not going to the NCAA tournament. You got Georgia that one year under Dennis Felton, I think, in the SEC that, you know, stole a bid. Like, they weren't going to make it unless they got the auto and they got the auto. But that's a rare situation at the power conference level. The A-10... Um, is going to have a championship game on CBS. America's That's West right. Watch Network.
1: Selection Sunday.
0: Network of Stars. Where the winner is going to make the NCAA tournament and the loser almost certainly is not. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it.
5: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: Some other interesting developments from the past two nights. Duke finished an undefeated season at home with a win over NC State. John Shire has never lost inside Cameron Indoor. Let me, well, let me just real quick, because I got a, a
1: a line in court report today in my final thoughts. Shire, set a record. First coach to ever go undefeated at home in his first year and has more wins as a first-year Duke coach than any Duke coach in history. Uh is year one a success, no matter what happens from here out, from here on out, where Duke is right now. If it, no matter what, Duke loses its first ACC tournament game and lo- and gets upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but with what Shire's done, considering the injury issues and all that, just curious: is it a success, or do you still need, or, or does he need to at least log one or two postseason
0: wins, no matter if they come in the local bracket or on the big stage? To use your hypothetical: if if Duke loses its first ACC tournament game and then loses in the first round of the of the ncaa tournament i don't see how you could call that a success given they were a preseason top 10 team how
1: about this i think i used the phrase did he pass the test in year one has he passed the test
0: yeah i think okay. you can reasonably say john shire did did all right in his first year he had injuries and yeah. uh, there were some ups and downs and you know Derek lively didn't meet expectations but you know right now duke is ranked in the top 25 and one and they're going to make the NCAA tournament, and they never lost inside Cameron. There's enough there to say hey, this is this went this didn't go as well as I thought it would go, and not as well as I'd hoped. But it went well enough to not be concerned. I think that's reasonable, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's reasonable. All right, I think that's got? reasonable.
0: So Duke does that. Congrats to the Blue Devils. Boise State added a massive quadrant one win over San Diego State. Improved its at-large case. Fun game we had on CBS Sports Network on Tuesday night. Uh, San Diego State was, like, up eight in the final minutes. Looked like they were in control, and Boise, boy, um, just took over. San Diego State made some mistakes. Max Rice was terrific, got 26 points. The crowd was incredible. Real, real fun scene. Um, those are the good ones, Duke and Boise State, some bad ones. Tennessee got a big win over Arkansas. That's great. Sakai Ziegler went down with a non-contact left knee injury. Um, We are doing this podcast. It is right now 11.48 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Um, He's obviously going to get the MRI today. We should know something, uh, the confirmation of whatever this is uh, by the end of the day. But Rick Barnes did say after the game on Tuesday night that – They believe it to be serious, and my experience with these things is these athletic trainers—they're never going to say anything definitive until they get the MRI back, or they're rarely going to. But they know, like I tore my ACL, God, twenty-five years ago, right? That leg, (laughs) even longer than that leg. I I tore my ACL almost thirty years ago. All right, truth always comes out. In nineteen ninety-four, tore my ACL, and the trainer diagnosed me within seconds he was like he grabbed my knee and he did two things and it was like yes that's a torn acl so they know then they confirm but they know and when rick barnes is comfortable not comfortable but when rick barnes is publicly stating after the game uh, we don't know anything for sure yet but we we believe it to be serious that suggests it's probably serious and you hate to see that because the kai ziegler is uh uh you know one of the most important players at Tennessee really fun point guard and uh you, you don't you don't ever want to see somebody's season come to an end if that in, is in in fact what's happening on on literally the last day before march mm-hmm. um but but um that 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 does appear to be what has probably happened with him Oklahoma state more bad lost a fifth straight game fell to the wrong side of Jerry Palm's bubble they got work to do And then, I ain't heard anything about it on Twitter because I'm assuming they got bad internet problems in Bloomington. But Indiana got blasted at home by Iowa. How do you go to Purdue and win and then come back home and get not beaten, blasted by crazy Fran and the Hawkeyes?
1: Fran McCaffrey has altered the course of the season with a single stare. With one stare down, he changed everything we thought we knew about college basketball. They're plus 38 since that happened. They're plus 38 against Michigan State and Indiana.
0: Boy, Mike, Boynt- Mike, Mike Boynton needs a stare down bad. He, does. he needs know. to just – if I were Mike, I'd call John Higgins. I'd just text him, tell him to come to my house tonight, just stare at him for 73 seconds, see if I can flip this thing around.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma State's dropped five in a row, plays at Texas Tech, needs to win that game and then win a game in the Big 12 tournament to give itself a, give itself a shot here. Indiana, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, listen to the podcast again. I just, I was, I was extolling their virtues on Sunday night, and now here we are. It's a good one for Iowa. It, it might wind up hurting Indiana in terms of, you know, if it wants to get on that top four seed line, geographic preference, four and five. That's the difference there. We'll see if that's the case, but credit to the Hawkeyes for just walking right in. Two things happened on Tuesday night. Michigan State walked into Pinnacle Bank. I know you don't yeah. want to mention it, but I'm going to mention it. It walked right into that building. It wa- it's just strolled right on in.
0: Nebraska was up big right early. Up. Nebraska walked was up in. big early. And it walked in. And then Michigan State pulled an Iowa. Yeah. Michigan State got iowa and then pulled an Iowa.
1: A dub in the back pocket, and they walk out just like Iowa just cruised out of Assembly Hall. Cruised. And got a W. To the other things you mentioned, Zakai Ziegler was also. Uh, it was released on Tuesday. He was a top ten finalist for National Defensive Player of the Year. Not having him, it, it, it limits Tennessee. A Tennessee team that, that at full strength, I, I still was a, a seller on for their their deep tournament prospects, and now even more so. And I have to go back to the Boise State thing real quick because that was an incredible broadcast. Shout out to our entire CBS Sports Network team. It was just uh, the call, the vibes, everything about it. It was the most entertaining watch of the night. And Max Rice, Leon's son, went off. He had a, he had a shot from three from the angle that kissed off the glass that when that went in, you were like, it's done. That was a big-time development for the Mountain West. Boise State is not a lock, but it is obviously in the field now as of Wednesday morning. And I think one more win, it's Lock City. doesn't matter how it comes or where it comes. Might even be in if it loses to, you know, this final regular season game in the first Mountain West. Might even be in regardless of that. I would not tempt fate if I were the Broncos. But Leon Rice, and I said this on HQ on on Tuesday night, he has been able to... Thrive and you know, I don't want to call it like outright obscurity, but it's it's Boise State. You're in the Mountain West and your games are not the easiest to find, or they, they tend to be on late, and he's gonna get this program to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. They were in eight seed a year ago, uh, and then got knocked out by Memphis, and now they're gonna go back to back. It's gonna be his fourth trip, but even in the years where he hasn't made the tournament, Boise State for the most part of his tenure there has been a 20-20-plus 20, 20 win kind of kind of program. So he's done a good job. That was a nice development for the Broncos on Tuesday night to help the Mountain West. New Mexico avoided a loss which would have permanently put it off the bubble. It's still not in the field, but New Mexico, Nevada and Utah State are still chasing. They're behind Boise State. Nevada just took a loss. A tough one at Wyoming. Now it's going to host UNLV this weekend. It needs to win that game to, uh, to continue to help its case. You got any more results? Because I got a few things here if you don't.
0: Just real uh, quick. Uh, did you see the Max Rice post game interview with Dan Dickow? I did I did not I actually, okay it was, it was I funny because like Instagram. you have to understand Leon Rice was at Gonzaga. Dan Dickow is a Gonzaga legend, and so yeah. he, Dan now finds himself um you know, doing the postgame interview. He was on the call for this Boise State game. He's talking to Max Rice. so he sets it up like he's known Max Rice since he was a baby, right and yeah. and so he's he's setting it up. He's like I, I, I think it's something along the lines of, hey, Max, I've known you since you were a kid, something, 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 what does it mean, something, something, something. And Max Rice just starts, he starts going something along the lines of, you know, people, these are my words, not his, but you'll get the point. You know, people discount this league and there's some really good teams in this league and and people don't, uh, don't give it the respect that it deserves. And, you know, this, that team we just beat is a really good team and there's other really good teams in this league. And Dan, I don't even know what you asked me. I couldn't hear you. I'm just rambling right now. (laughs) Like he was like, okay, I know Dan did i stop talking, so yeah. I have to start talking, but I don't really know what he just asked me because the court was stormed and it was so loud. Yeah. So you had a star basketball player after an incredible performance answering a question live on national television. He had no idea what the question was. He was just he, he even ap- almost apologized. He's like, I'm sorry, I don't even know what you asked me. I'm just talking. <laughs> well, that's good.
1: That's a good moment. That's a good memory. That's really, really cool. And uh look forward to probably seeing the Broncos back in the big dance. Um, I'll note UNC did win at, at Florida State and so it's still in decent standing. It's got to win at Duke or um, at home against Duke on Saturday. We'll get to that on the next episode but it did win on Monday night. West Virginia, you know, I, I highlight some of my more intriguing to me. What are some of the more intriguing resumes in the country? That's the lead of today's court report. I have West Virginia in there at 17 and 13. It's got to play Kansas state at home this weekend in the big 12 tournament. It could conceivably lose at home to K state. If that happened, it's probably not winning the big 12 tournament. West Virginia is going to flirt with, if not outright tie, um, Vandy and Alabama from the past like six, seven years uh, as the only 15 lost teams to ever get at largest in the NCAA tournament. Just keep an eye on that with the Mountain got a They've got a funky resume, but they did get a very important win against an Iowa State team that is downright spiraling and now has to finish up the regular season this weekend by playing at Baylor. I also highlight Iowa State in Wednesday's court report because I don't know what to expect in terms of how that team will be seated. It's going to be in the tournament, but... We'll see how it winds up over the next week and a half. It's it's a pretty fascinating group overall. Tuesday, the only other stuff we didn't really get to, Nova beat Seton Hall, locks in the sixth seed. All right. I'm watching. Nova has my attention. And Eric Dixon has been one of the three best players in the Big East over the past two or three weeks. He he has come on quite strong. Um, So duly noted on that. Virginia beat Clemson. Clemson now needs to have a big run in the ACC tournament. Needed to take that one wasn't able to do it. And we got to talk about the dog crapping on the court, right? I mean <laughs> it, it would it would uh, we have to do it. I I'm not, I take no joy in doing this, but you know, this dog this dog down in Louisville on Tuesday night, there was some halftime entertainment and lo and behold as it's getting ready to do some more of its stuff, It gets in that dog position. The tail starts to bend. The hind legs get a little bit higher. Drops a heater right there on the hardwood. What in the world?
0: Louisville! What a season for Louisville.
1: As everyone correctly pointed out, if ever there was an appropriate, an apropos, a poetic symbol of what the season has been for the Cardinals, it was a dog taking a dump on the court. And that's exactly what happened
0: like everybody knows Louisville I guess everybody Louisville's four and 26 overall two and seven in the ACC they're two and se- two and seventeen in the ACC they're two and seventeen in a bad ACC I mean what mm-hmm. are we doing and it just it sounds like you know all of the reporters out of Louisville who I trust are just sort of like yeah they're you know we're gonna do it again next year and that's fine yeah. I don't care but like they're gonna give them a second
1: they should. They should give them a second year. Yeah,
0: why? Okay. Let me stop here. Why should no. they? Why should they?
1: Because you don't have an
0: answer for why no, should they?
1: I understand what you're saying. I, I think it would be only we've we talked about this like a couple months ago. Um, but Kenny Payne didn't inherit the easy situation. It doesn't excuse how. Neither bad did
0: they, Jerome Tang.
1: Neither did I, Dennis I, Gates. I, neither I, did Chris Gant. I, I know. 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 You could you could argue that his situation was the worst of all of them, but um, he is an alum. He played there. He's the first black coach in the history of that program in a, in a city that that prides itself on a lot of these elements there, and it would be an awful look to fire him after the first year. So I believe Kenny Payne is deserving of at least a second season, uh, particularly because of also the reputation he carries with all of that. So that that would be my case for it. But I know the counter to that would be if behind the scenes, you think you just don't have the momentum, you might have made the wrong hire, just pull the plug now. That could be the case, but th- there's something to be said that, that maybe that won't be. Maybe we'll be talking about the Cardinals in the middle of next January, and they're in third place in the ACC. You know, it's possible. It's not likely, but it is possible. So I, I just think there's still, we need more data. That, that would be my, that my case for it right now.
0: I acknowledge um, being a prominent alum matters, and that should be considered. Being the first blackhead coach in school history is something that matters and should be considered. But really, when I hear people make the case for Kenny Payne getting a second year, though those are the only things they say. Uh, like uh, uh, you say, you could see them. Maybe they finish third next year. I, I doubt it. I, right? I'm just saying, uh, like you know, it, it, more simple. likely they finish in the bottom three as opposed to the top three. And then what? They'll do it next. year. They'll do it after next year. My whole thing is if you are. If you have decided, yeah, we'll do it after two bad years. If you've decided that, and I'm confident they have, because anybody would do it after two bad years, especially at a program like Louisville. If you've decided that, we will do it after next year. If next year's bad, well, then what are you waiting on? Because next year's probably going to be bad. I hear you.
1: I know. And a dog took a dump
0: on the court. And a dog took a dump on the court. I mean, I mean Lord.
1: <laughs> and these, are, these are animals that are trained to do this. Like, I, has this has this canine ever done this before? It was it was funny. All too it could have been any court uh, in any arena in the country, and it, of course it had to be Louisville. I only got one more thing before we preview the week. In fact, this can be the segue here. On Thursday night in the Horizon League tournament, uh, the top seed is Youngstown State. It's going to play Detroit Mercy, and we could have history here. And coincidentally enough, it's going to come just a few weeks removed from from what LeBron James did when he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record. Antoine Davis uh, dropped 38 points on Tuesday night in the opening round of the Horizon League tournament. His Detroit Mercy team won 81-68. And so now he needs 26 to have the all-time record in men's D1. He is averaging over his past nine games. He's averaging 34.4 points. He has been... Shooting for this record for a while here and more power to him, more power to him year five. He's getting it done. Uh, Eight of his past nine games. He has gone for more than than 30. And in all nine of his past games, he has scored more than 26 points. He needs 26 to pass Pete Maravich. It's not a guarantee. It just feels like a 90% proposition at this point. So that will be Thursday night. Some horizon league quarterfinal action worth watching what else we got on the docket here well, for uh, well Wednesday let me ask
0: you this at at okay. so Antoine Day, let's assume he does break this record in his next game yeah. that's going to be 144 games yeah he played did
1: in like 88 games or something 83 80 uh, that's just an so uh, that's like, outrageous that he did it in 83 all games.
0: right so like I I struggle with like how big of a deal is this
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the all-time scoring record in college basketball, and it did take him five years. So there is, you know, the same way that we were saying Pete Maravich did, and you wouldn't believe it—he did it in three years and without a three-point line. It'll be Antoine Davis did it, but he did it in five right. years and he had a COVID year. It's just going to be—it's going to be the aside to it, but he's going to have the record. I mean, he's going—he—he he had the eligibility. I have heard from a few folks who are kind of like, shouldn't this have an asterisk? No, I mean, he had the eligibility; they gave him the bonus year, and he was able to to use it. So no, it's, it's, it's his, the, 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 the odd aspect to all this, or just, it's just a bummer. It's like Detroit mercy has been a non-factor. Like it's never made the tournament. It's never been a good team since he's been there, but he decided to stay with his pops the same way that Meravich did. And uh, he could have transferred elsewhere. I mean, he wouldn't have been averaging as many in other spots at high majors as he is here, but he decided to stay behind and finish out his career with his dad at Detroit mercy. And now, like he's highly likely, he's highly likely to do it. It's not a guarantee, but all he needs is 26, and he's done that or more in nine straight games.
0: Well, I look forward to watching him do it. All right, or at least seeing a highlight of him doing it. Before That's we get out of, of here, let's look ahead to the next couple of nights on Wednesday. Let me run you through some games. Dead leg, you tell me what you're looking forward to. Number 19, Xavier at number 20, Providence. Auburn at number two, Alabama. DePaul at number 14, Yukon. Number 21, Maryland at Ohio State. Vanderbilt at number 23, Kentucky. Number 25, Pitt at Notre Dame. Oklahoma at number 11, Kansas State. Number nine, Texas at number 22, TCU. Chicago State at number 10, Gonzaga. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Hey, credit to the Zags. They they play 16 league games and wanted to squeeze squeeze one more run in before the WCC. Well, Well, they
0: do have a situation where because of the. Setup of the WCC tournament, they play their final what is typically their final regular season game on a Saturday, and then they don't play again until the following Monday. Yes. So that's what like a 10-day ten ga- ten layoff. So this is just get nine, but yeah. Okay, let's count it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you play again on Monday. So technically eight days off in between. Game. sure yeah yeah okay yeah so just get 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 five other bodies on the court and let's run around a little bit and improve sure. our field goal percentage that's what this is
1: hey that's but it's going down it's going down tonight chicago state best game of the, of the night is texas at tcu uh for reasons we detailed before xavier providence is a lot of fun and then and, and i'm look forward to seeing it uh xavier waiting to get zach freemantle back and I don't have any updates on that, but I, I would guess that they're going to hold him until the Big East Tournament. They close this weekend at Butler at home, but maybe you want to, if he's good enough, I don't know if he's good enough to go. If he's good enough, you try and get him on the floor there. Utah State needs to win at UNLV. That's CBS Sports Network, 11 Eastern. GP will be in studio.
0: 11 Eastern.
1: You're loving it, baby. Um, and so he'll be in studio for that. And uh, Penn State at Northwestern is another one between unranked teams that's, that's, that's meaningful. Uh, meaningful for Northwestern seating. Penn State needs to. I mean, it's got to really, it's got to win. It's got to win this game and then win against Maryland and then win in the Big Ten tournament and then we'll see what what we can do there. But there's there's plenty and we're updating the bubble watch daily at CBSSports.com. So also, if you're just wanting to know, all right, who do we have to watch where and when, what channels, what what teams are playing that are really playing to uh to secure their spot in the field or or just on the fence, we do have that. Daily Texas at TCU is my most anticipated game of the night. Maryland, by the way, I will note this. Uh, Kevin Willard also. I think Matt Painter, Kevin Willard, Chris Collins all have Big Ten Coach of the Year viability at this point. If Maryland wins at Ohio State, which is certainly on the table, um, he's worth consi- He's just worth. He's worth a look. That's all. I actually think it's a pretty compelling argument among those three. Again, if Willard can win on Wednesday,
0: I find it I uncompelling. Matt Painter. Yeah. Not picked to win the Big Ten, wins it, and has a, according to Jerry Palm, projected number one seed right uh, now. Yeah, no, I, I got you. I Matt got Painter you. should be your Big Ten coach of the year. I, I would str- have to feel ten strongly ten. about that. What On about that? Thursday, Wichita State at number one, Houston. Mm-hmm. Arizona State at number four, UCLA. Big game for Arizona State. Big game. And big game for UCLA if you're trying to get a one seed. I would have UCLA as a one seed right now ahead of Purdue, but I recognize uh, Jerry Palm does not, and I respect Jerry Palm. But if UCLA is trying to crack that top four to get a one seed, um, you need to knock this out at home against the Sun Devils. I am a Sun Devil. Number five, Purdue at Wisconsin. Number eight, Arizona at USC. And then there's some games of note between unranked teams: Michigan at Illinois, Rutgers at Minnesota, Florida Atlantic at Rice, and Memphis is at SMU. It'll be Kendrick Davis's return to the school where he won AAC Player of the Year last season, I'm sure he'll get a boo or two.
1: Man, these are the glory days. March is here, okay? It's here, and like the next two nights are loaded. We also have, if you're into the postseason stuff, the A Sun Tournament, Horizon's going on, Sunbelt, WCC, Missouri Valley, all those, Patriot League, they're all playing on on Thursday as well. So we are overloaded, but everything that GP just mentioned for Thursday schedule, there's either like significant seeding situations attached to it or, or outright bubble stuff like USC hosting, Arizona, USC got to have the game, um, Purdue, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin got to have it to be in the field. They also detailed in the court report, Purdue for its one seed potential, like went on the road, get it done. Michigan. We know the situation there and what, and what it means overall, uh, Memphis is one of those teams that's like quietly in the field, but you know, on the road, uh get a win. Arizona State at UCLA, Arizona State, another one. They're like, they might be, uh, depending on your point of view here, they might be the last team in or the first team out, or they're they're right in that group right now. And if uh if Bobby Hurley can get it done, that would be quite significant. You mentioned Wichita State, also detailed in today's court report because I noticed this a couple weeks ago. I was looking at some transfers. Wichita State, former players around the country are thriving. And, and in parts, this happened because Greg Marshall got fired. But Ar- Ricky Council at Arkansas, he, he played there. He was transferred this season, but he, he's been one of the best transfers in the country. Jamarius Burton, first team all ACC guy, played under Greg Marshall. Eric Stevenson, who's traveled a bunch of pl- spots, was at Wichita State. Morris Udesi at New Mexico at Wichita State. Grant Sherfield at Wichita State. Dexter Dennis, at at Wichita State. Now he's at A&M. So most of these guys played together, and now they're at other spots. They are, they are personally thriving, and most of them are headed to the NCAA tournament. That is detailed in today's court report. Um, we might see more situations like this with the portal going forward, but this was the first instance I could ever recall where you had a bunch of guys who no one really knew who they were when they were together. They've all since left, and now they are thriving across the country in same, different spots. Same thing happened to the Beatles uh not exactly everyone knew the beatles were awesome when they were together by the way today is the 50 year anniversary of dark side of the moon being released gp are you a
0: pink floyd fan i was like every other when i was 16 years old i was like every other 16 year old in the history of the world but then you grow out of it i think
1: no 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 there's no growing out of it so you're not you're not listening to floyd anymore i
0: have not listened to pink floyd in a long time
1: i think you know what if you got a minute today pop in the earbuds I don't have a minute to do. Dark
0: Side is my favorite record,
1: and I'm, a, I'm an animals guy personally, but a very, very big Pink Floyd fan. And just, you know what, cue up, cue up time, little us and them. Just get get familiarized real quick. That's all.
0: Maybe I will. You got an edible or two I could borrow?
1: I don't. I don't. I don't know how many. I was thinking about this, though. I don't know how many, like 300 years from now, provided we still have an operating planet, which seems up in the air. Yeah, I doubt that. But if it, that is the case, how many records from the nineteen hundreds, you know, the twentieth century, if you will, will still be listened to? And I don't know how many there will be. It might be five, ten, twenty that are like referenced or still uh in, in American culture, but I'm pretty confident that if there is a list of, say, ten of them, that dark side of the moon will will remain in that group. I I think it is uh it is a timeless record and and it was released fifty years ago today.
0: Well, I thought about this. Like you hear like Justin Timberlake sells his entire catalog for hundreds of millions of dollars uh, justin bieber just did it i think he sold his entire catalog for like 200 million dollars and on some on some level you go geez you want to really give up all that uh, all those uh rights and sources of income forever on the other hand who's going to be listing justin bieber songs 100 years from now exactly like why wouldn't you sell all your stuff that's like right. you only you only live once. Why not get all the money you could ever need right now and just have the best life you could have and not worry about who's gonna be making money off of your music in a hundred years because the like you noted accurately, the planet probably won't even be here in a hundred years. And it won't mean a thing
1: in a hundred years, the great philosopher John Popper once wrote. So no, it's uh it's a point well taken and congrats to those folks for for getting their money uh, before we get out of here and let's get out of here i do want to i do want to ask everyone that enjoyed the intro thank you and do leave a comment on the youtube page R- rate the podcast on whatever service if you have not done yet please continue to do it because it is a it is a passion project it's done out of love and i made sure just for gary parish hmm. to have jim nance do <laughs>
0: robert show here okay, okay? That- let me ask you this. Did, yes. does, does he even know that he ever said Dozier for the championship?
1: Thank you for asking because he had no idea. <laughs> so, I, so I corresponded with him. I was hitting him back and forth. And then I was like, Jim, just you got to call me. I got to explain something to you. So he did. He called and I was like, here's, listen, here's the deal. You know, you, you had this call, you know, you had the Hayward call, but Robert Dozier almost hit it. So I laid it out for him. I was like, this is an an inside joke on the pod. Our audience will really love it. And he's like, did I, did I do that? Was after the Chalmers one, he's like, Oh yes, actually I do remember he was going from my right to my left. And so he started to like uh, visually vision. remember it. And then he's like, yeah, no, I, I got you. So I, I scripted it out for him and he was willing to do it. But there was a moment where I was like, I have to explain this to him. He's cause I can't, I did not have him read that blind. And then, and then he got it. And then I said, listen, just channel your inner, remember that energy you brought for the, how I met your mother episode you did. And he got a, he cracked up at that. So he, uh, He brought it, and in all sincerity, man, that was came. It literally, this idea came to me in the shower like a month ago. Where I was like, I, what am I going to do for this episode? Like, how am I going to what? What on earth should I do? And then I was like, Wait, it is Nance's last year. Maybe we could get him to do something. And he is a sport. He is super busy. He's about to be ridiculously busy, but he is. Come on, man. He is the he is the voice of March Madness, and he is. This will not be repeated. Thirty seven years calling the tournament with thirty two Final Fours. That's not ever happening again. I can't wait for Ian Eagle to get on the mic. I think he's phenomenal and is the pick to replace Jim Nance. But we had to give Nance his flowers and look forward to doing so throughout the rest of the next four or five weeks as he calls his final one this year on
0: CBS. Maybe in addition to Bill Self University, we need a Jim Nance University. Quite possibly so. Yes. I would enroll in that too. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnow. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple, five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Do you talk to Jim Nance about that? Should I talk
1: to Jim Nance about that? Should I have asked Jim Nance to say there are more of us than there are of them? I don't
0: know. Yes. <laughs> yes. He, w- w- missed opportunity if you had jim nance at the end of that saying there is more of us than there are you <laughs> would have lost it you would
1: have lost it uh, uh, not, by the way a, yeah. we, had, we are uh we won't spoil it now but we got some more good stuff coming on the pod do we so oh, we yeah, got we some good, this is gonna be a good month okay there's a lot of cool stuff happening with the podcast and uh, you will you will enjoy it immensely. So just stay tuned on all of that stuff uh, as we continue to drift deeper into the month.
0: Appreciate you guys. Special shouts to Norlander and Nada for getting that intro done. It was uh, terrific. And we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care.
5: Should
2: you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot.